Fast forward to discuss the new crowdfunding platform for black and ethnic women. We learn how she started her own entrepreneur journey to create a solution to the bootstrap disadvantage that faces ethnic founders and in particular black women. Ethnic families' median wealth is just 10% of that of white families, putting them on the back foot from the outset. Here's what we can all do about it. Welcome, Della Mola. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me, Patricia. I'm very excited to be here. When I saw this platform being released a few weeks ago, or few months ago actually now um I was super excited and we shared it like bejesus all over our social and um, because I thought it was a really powerful uh step forward in terms of helping to get women of eth- from ethnic origin um funded and um, we all know the problems um it's like getting a needle in a haystack for for women to get funding but it's a needle in a haystack and needles I think for for black women so um you know you you have first sort of first-hand experience of this just how difficult is it for women of black origin to receive investment for business thank you Patricia that's a great question and to answer that we really have to go back to the beginning and to start off with the black pound in the UK talking about just starting with the UK alone um black um black consumers contributes over thirty-two billion pounds a year to the UK economy. So there is no reason we we definitely have the spending power. So there is no reason why we shouldn't also be the uh, creators and the owners, as well as being the consumers. So this is this is the initial problem. Another thing is that another reason that this is such a necessity is because black women in the workplace in the corporate environment are facing not only a glass ceiling but they're facing a concrete ceiling now we've all heard of the glass ceiling that women face um in you know when it comes to trying to escalate in the ranks in leadership mm-hmm. in you know getting promotions but when you are black or an ethnic minority female there's a concrete ceiling because where we are further stunted um by because of a very variety of different reasons but there's a lack of progression and opportunity in the workplace so it seeks black women and, and brown women to seek fulfillment elsewhere Now, entrepreneurship with, you know, most black and brown women, it comes out of a necessity because of these issues. The lack of representation in, um, you know, products, the lack of um, the lack of opportunities. And therefore, we it results in us having to provide our own solutions and provide and build our own platforms or create our own products. So that's just a little bit of a backstory. So when it comes to how difficult is it for women to actually receive um, any sort of funding for a business? Now, statistics has shown and evidence has shown that before we even think about venture capital, that's way, way, way down the line. The problem is even starting as far as when women, black and brown women, try to do their first round of, of funding, which is when you get your first round from family and friends. So the family and friends round. Now, again, the back issue with this is that 
on average, black and brown families tend to have a lower amount of median uh, net worth as as a mm-hmm. family as a whole. Does that make sense? So yeah. when you are then trying to raise funding from your friends and family compared yeah. to, say, a, ca- yeah. a, a Caucasian white family who starts out with an average wealth, uh, statistics in the U.S. shows an average wealth of over a hundred thousand dollars whereas yeah. an average uh you know black or brown family has a wealth of around ten thousand dollars which is a stark stark wow. difference yeah. so therefore when you're then trying to raise um that initial funding from your friends and family you 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 are already um there's already a barrier you're already yeah. limited does that make sense completely so then we then move yeah so then we move on to trying to approach banks okay that's usually our next step we try to get a bank loan now if i as a black female try to approach a a bank manager who is most probably a caucasian white male and i try Mm -hmm. to say i have this really amazing idea for a, um, a hair care line um, for um, black Afro hair or a skincare line for black skin. I really think there was a market for this. This is why it's necessary. This is, you know, this is the market um, share. This is the market we could tap into. The, yeah. it, probably the, the white, um, the Caucasian man is going to probably laugh me through the door. He's probably mm-hmm. not going to understand, A, the necessity of this business idea that I am proposing. He's not going to understand the necessity. He's not going to understand the market. And for mm-hmm. those kind of um, um, unconscious biases as well, I am more likely to be rejected for a business loan. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, completely. Um, you know, it's that kind of invisible women um, sort of theory, isn't it? That, you know, they don't, if they don't relate to the problem, they don't see the value in the solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even though the market is definitely there for, Mm. you know, ethnic products. And that's just one example. That's just one example. So we are then again, we face these unconscious um, um, biases that create more barriers when trying to seek institutional loans or grants. Now, even grants, grants are a whole nother um, topic as well, because again, you have to be, you have to have the um, right connections and the right knowledge for you to even know what grants and scholarships are even available for, for you to even tap into, to apply for. And again, it is that, that kind of knowledge and information is not afforded to everybody. And mm-hmm. it is less likely to be afforded to women from ethnic minority backgrounds. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, completely. It's that, uh, and I think so, there's probably a, f- a question I have for you here, is that, you know, we, women get, and and women uh, solutions and, and products are, you know, termed in the world as niche. And I think what you've just mm-hmm. been describing to me there is that that kind of same scenario is that, you know, when a, a black business person goes into the bank and are there to talk about a product that, fits the black community it's almost seen as niche but like what like I don't even know what the statistics are in the world like what percentage of the of the world is actually you know from a black or brown (laughs) origin like it must be you know at least half or more and the reason I'm giggling is because (laughs) you've (laughs) you've you've hit on something so fundamental and we in the UK and okay in the west full stop in the west we are called minority 
but in actuality yeah. in the world in the world ethnic people or black people or people of black and brown origins are the majority we are the majority and this is why wording is so so important so it mm-hmm. is it is very interesting why um something would be classed as niche or you know we would get responses like well there isn't enough of a market for that and yes. it's like says who yeah <laughs> says who <laughs> you know yeah no completely um agree so You've created Build Her, and that is specifically to give women of um, black and brown origin a platform to apply for funding. So tell us all about that. You're all about creating solutions. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so Build Her was born um, out of a mixture of um, personal experiences with myself and and experiences of other um, amazing women that I've had the privilege to know um, and and work with or come across in some way. Um, when I say started with myself, I'll give you an example. I had been interested in the tech world for quite a number of years. I'd been, you know, I was very obsessed with the tech world and the STEM mm-hmm. world, and I was following it for a while. So I kind of knew from several years ago I would be doing something in, in some way in this world. So I was attending a lot of um, tech events um, in Manchester, and there was one that I was going to that, that I went to in particular. And the speakers, there was four speakers on stage, and three of them, three of them were old, older, mm-hmm. Caucasian men, mm-hmm. and one was a young Caucasian woman. woman. There was a young mm-hmm. Caucasian girl, so pro- probably similar in her in her twenties, and so again, that was the first kind of um, thing that I noticed that was a bit of a concern to me. In that I had been going to all of these different business events, tech events, what you know, different events, and the the speakers and the people who were you know the special guests. Again, none of them looked like me, to put it plainly. Mm-hmm. None of them were of color none of them were you know um females of color because to be of color to be a man of color is different to be a woman of color patricia it's two different struggles (laughs) yes altogether completely imagine yeah (laughs) absolutely so um so there was a, a, a there was a there was a lack um and it's i it started i started to question okay what is it that's going wrong here? Is it the fact that the um, the people who are organizing these events do they not do they not know of um, you know tech founders who who are doing you know amazing things, or mm-hmm. do they know but they don't you know they're not reaching out to them, or is it that we founders or pe- business people in the black community are so we're so far removed from these people who organize these events that we're not Mm -hmm. even rolling in the same circles in the first place to even be invited to, you know, these types of events to come and speak or to come and contribute in some way. So there was, there was definitely a problem. And I just started to think about what that could be. And as I was doing more and more reading and talking to other people, I did realize that it's a mixture of issues. So Mm -hmm. that, you know, one of them is men, Caucasian men, have something called the Old Boys Network, which I'm sure mm-hmm. you've heard of, Patricia, the yeah. Old Boys Network. And they are they are unapologetically 
for each other. They will support each other. They will connect each other, you know, so they have, they, mm-hmm. they are able to pass on contacts, networks, recommendations, and all of those things makes a huge difference when you are an entrepreneur or when you are trying to create something. Yeah. Now, when you take all of those things like network and contacts away, you are already at a disadvantage and you are already trying to start out all com- completely by yourself or without, yeah. you know, the right contacts and the right networks. It's, it's going to be going to be much, much harder for you. So that is one issue. Another issue is obviously the lack of opportunity of, um, being granted funding in one way or another. So therefore, a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, black founders, so to speak, have to put themselves in debt to start something. They have to put themselves into debt, like credit card debt or something to start a business. So there was a lot of issues. So anyway, so I started to think of, I I digress a little bit, Patricia, sorry. You're okay. (laughs) But I'm just trying to give a back, back. Yeah. yeah, trying to give a backstory. I think it's story. really important, so, um, Damalola. I think it's really important that you set the scene yeah. in that way. So that I think yeah. one of the problems, yeah. I yeah. think, um, is awareness and people understanding and walking in your shoes or walking in someone else's shoes. Um, you know, it's difficult, yeah. but I think only by talking about it are we all going to get better. Absolutely. I agree. So um, that is why I just started to think of, okay, in, instead of, um, instead of, kind of constantly feeling frustrated about the this issue that I'm seeing. And this tech event I went to in particular, I'll never forget the young girl. She was a beautiful young girl. She was called Anastasia. And mm-hmm. she had founded a tech business, um, which was basically if you were looking for um, a makeup artist or mm-hmm. a kind of hairstylist or any sort of thing like that to come yeah. to your house to do you up, you could go onto her platform and put in your details, your postcode and everything, and basically find a makeup artist or stylist to kind of, you know, book them and come to your house. So she mm-hmm. founded that platform. Really amazing. And it was very popular and she got funding and everything. Like I was really, really happy to see a young woman full stop achieving something yeah. like this. Yeah. However, I then remembered that I had a friend, myself personally, I had a friend called Aminata, who is of, you know, African Gambian descent, who Mm -hmm. had a very, very similar idea, who had a very similar idea for a platform like this. I kid you not, Patricia, it was so, so similar. Now, I started to think, okay, if, if, um, if Aminata, would Aminata have been afforded the same success that Anastasia has been, has, has had? For example, Anastasia, um, she got funding by two, um, two, you know, investors who were women, who were Caucasian women. Now, mm-hmm. would that same opportunity have been afforded to Aminata is my question. And the answer is probably no. Do you understand? Yeah. And I think the thing is about Anastasia, it's Anastasia Kenyon from Lifestyler it was at the time. And she um Absolutely. investment from uh the names escape me now, it'll come to me in a minute. Um Anna. It's yeah. Anna and oh, it'll come to me in a minute, but her own yeah, investment I know journey. Mean. Yeah, I've I've sat in um talks where she shared her own investment journey and the uh, the inappropriate uh, approaches from white men um, to, uh-huh. um, you know, so and so you can imagine if that's what's happening to white women. Do you know, do you know, we could go on about it. You know, we could just we can just 
imagine all the kind of different scenarios. So um, like even success for her is peppered with having to overcome her, um, barriers. So then you you then think about the barriers that Aminata is going to face. It's just, yeah. Uh, exactly. You've hit the nail on the head, Patricia, and that is exactly it. I met, I'm still friends with them. I, I'm still in contact with Anastasia today. She's a beautiful yeah. girl. And, but I just had to really question, would, um, would a black girl with the same mm. idea have got, had, ha, have gotten as far? Yeah. And unfortunately, the answer is no. And that in a nutshell is why I created Build Her, because I wanted to have a platform where, um, the ideas of black and brown females could, um, could, could have an opportunity to shine. Okay. And, and have the spotlight on those ideas and, and not be drowned out by ideas by Caucasian men, which so often, mm-hmm. unfortunately happens. And, yeah. and on other platforms, this is what tends to happen. So this is one of the reasons I wanted the, sh- the, the shine and the spotlight to be on, you know, their ideas, their, um, innovations and, you know, give them really an opportunity to use their network and the network of the community that we are actively building in Builder to be able to address at least one of the barriers that we face, which is the lack of initial capital, the lack of initial mm-hmm. funding. So that in a nutshell is why, um, I was very passionate about starting Builder. Um, and you you do more than just provide the crowdfunding platform, don't you? What else do you guys do for the female founders that come onto the platform? So we have wanted from the beginning, we've wanted to be really, really hands-on and very um, up close and personal um, with each of the, you know, uh, campaigners that come to our platform. Because what we realised is that it's not just enough to kind of get... Um, pledges and contributions and donations mm-hmm. to your campaign as much as that's wonderful that's absolutely wonderful but it's not enough you also need to have some sort of a community you also need to have you know the right um people and the right women around you that can help push you and encourage you and motivate you mm-hmm. because as you know as i'm sure you know patricia the entrepreneurial um, world is so, so lonely. It can be so lonely, yeah. you know? And sometimes if you don't have that somebody or people who can really just encourage you, it can be very easy to trail off. It can be very easy to get yeah. distracted and it can be very easy to quit. And yeah. that is just what we do not want. So we really try to build a community. We um, have started, recently started a private group, which is for um, build her members. So we have a private, um, Slack channel. Um, mm-hmm. so it's off any social media. So we're, you know, we're not distracted. And in that we are aiming to meet every month and we are aiming to have accountability sessions. So basically mm-hmm. accountability and coaching sessions for each other again to keep each other accountable. And okay, yeah. what did you want to achieve this month? And have you achieved it? And what are the steps you're going to take to achieve it? So that we yeah. really just stay focused and, and clear. So a- apart from that, with me, myself, I, um, I, my, I put myself out along with other team members, along with my other team members to, um, be available for those who want to kind of discuss, um, things like to do with their campaign. 
for example, what, what rewards that they want to offer for their campaign because yeah. offering the right rewards for your campaign can make such a difference um, as to whether you, you know, whether you get to your funding goal or, or not. Yeah. So we put ourselves out there in that you can have, you know, 30 minute consultations with um, myself or another member of our team. And we can really yeah. go through your campaign in detail, which other platforms um, do not really offer in the same way. With kind of other platforms, you just kind of put your campaign up and then everything's up to you and off you go and good luck. That's it. <laughs> so we wanted to be yeah. different. You know, we wanted to have that personal touch. So that's definitely we made ourselves available in that way. Other things that we are looking to do in the future, probably from next year, um, because of the whole situation of what's happening with COVID and everything. So probably next year we yeah. are going to, <laughs> yeah, we, we'll talk about COVID, Patricia, don't yeah. worry. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't not. It's like, it's the new Brexit. You can't, you can't get through, oh, you can't oh, get through a conversation absolutely. without talking about COVID. Yeah, absolutely. So probably so next, next year. year we will start to do, we will start to do, um, you know, pitching, pitching events. Mm -hmm. We could even start them. Um, we could start them off as virtual events. So if you yeah. picture a virtual dragon's den in where we will have um, female founders of color who will come and, you know, pitch um, about their business and seek for funding, you know, the amount of funding that they want. And hopefully the idea is that in the room, there would be potential investors who are interested, black investors, white investors, male and female, all types of investors. That is the idea. And that is what we, what we want to start offering as well. So from next year. So there's lots of things in the pipeline. And the community idea, was that was that something that you brought into the offering or where did that come where did that idea come from? Yeah, it was a mixture of um it was it was actually a quite a team decision. Um in that we were really passionate about, you know, we don't just want campaigners to kind of, you know, go off and you know off you go never hear from them again kind of thing we really wanted to yeah. keep in touch with every campaigner we really wanted to have that community so that they know that this is a supportive and safe space for them so that they can come back to time and time again even if not to crowdfund but to seek any sort of advice or help or motivation so yes it was definitely a team decision um and and that is why we've put that in place and, and we'll continue to build that community aspect in whichever way possible nice um but you're not doing it alone i mean you're creating that community for others who might be but you're not um you founded build her along with your husband akin um, and we've had a few husband-wife uh, founding teams on this podcast, um, Kate and John Greelhog, for example, from A Year of Dates. Um, and it's always really interesting to understand the dynamics um, of working beside your partner. Um, how, how, are you, how do you guys find that? What challenges do you face or what do you enjoy about it? It's definitely interesting working with your, <laughs> your spouse. We'll be, we'll be diplomatic here. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely interesting Patricia <laughs> I know and he's like he's listening as well so now joking <laughs> um, Dagger eyes hi again no it's, <laughs> um, no it's definitely been no to be honest it's definitely been fun it's definitely you know when when there's 
first of all, he's so supportive. I mean, he's been supportive of Builder since since when it was just an idea that I was speaking about, you know, and he was supportive of it from the beginning. I think he saw that, um, I think he had seen a, eh, what I had been through personally. He, he had seen what his mother, you know, look, he has black, uh, you know, he has a black sister. Mm-hmm. He has a black mother. He had seen what they have been through financially and how a mixture of, you know, misogyny and how a mixture of kind of discrimination has also stunted their mm, opportunities, so to yeah. speak. So I think he understood. He understood why I was so passionate about this. And he, from day one, he was really there and supported me. So I think it's, um, you know, there are times when we obviously do disagree on maybe the direction of something or, you know, uh, maybe a team member, you know, something's going on mm-hmm. and there's a disagreement there. I think it's just important that we just kind of, um, I think now <laughs> we've learned to just separate, like, this is, this is the business, you know, and this is home. So yeah. we, we've just kind of mentally separated the two. So we don't, we try not to let one creep into the other. Um, and I think that's the best way you can kind of try and manage. Yeah. Otherwise, it would just be, I think it would, it could, you know, lines could get blurred and then you have That's a disagreement it. with something to do with business and then it just trickles into your, your home and then, oh, it's just, no, that's just crazy. That's just not what we wanted. So that's <laughs> yeah. how we try to manage boundaries. that. <laughs> yeah, boundaries. Yes, absolutely. Clear absolutely. boundaries. If you're enjoying the podcast, simply hit the like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform. If you have the time, leave us a review. You can do that really easily by going to ratemypodcast.com forward slash fast forward. You have had your entrepreneurial experience um, and you had invested your time into going into the meetups and um, exploring technology because it was a passion and you knew you knew that was the path that you wanted to be on. But that wasn't your original path. You actually were a mental health nurse prior to all yes, of this yes. kind of new chapter in your life. So tell us a bit about that and how you how the transition came about or did you always know like what were you doing you know what made you decide to go into mental health and were you thinking even about entrepreneurship then oh so I have been in working in mental health um for 10 years now Patricia so Mm -hmm. hmm, it's hard to answer that did I did I always know that there was an entrepreneurial flair uh to me yes um, but I think when you have Nigerian parents, <laughs> like I do, <laughs> um, yeah. it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely a case of, you know, you, you still, you know, you can do anything you want to do, but just, you know, get your degree. <laughs> That's all they oh, want yes. to <laughs> Yes. Uh, so, yeah. So I think, um, I try, wanted to follow that. I, to be honest, I'd always been interested in psychology. So, um, that kind of psychiatry, psychology, um, I, I knew I was going to do something related to that anyway. So, mm-hmm. and with nursing, psychiatric nursing as such, I knew I wanted to do something that really helped people and try to make a difference in people's real lives. So the, um, this kind of combined the two for me and, and it just made sense at the time. And, and I've been in this field for 10 years now. Um, however, all through that, even through my studies, funny enough, I, was always doing one thing or another um on the side like a side hustle you know so that has always mm-hmm. been there and definitely in the past 
oh god probably in the past five seven years really that the tech industry has really blown up i that's when i particularly became fascinated with the tech industry and and looked more into that so um yeah so it's a mixture of my um my background being having african you know nigerian parents um so they definitely encouraged me to stick to my education side of mm-hmm. it, um, yeah. which I, which I'm grateful for now, especially in these times. Um, yeah, you know, so yeah, so that's how kind of that's happened. But like I said, I've always done something on the side, whether it was e-commerce, whether it was kind of property sourcing for other investors, whether it was, um, you know, doing things in the media. I've always kind of done something on the side so I think that that could never go away from me it's just that I I hadn't found the right I hadn't found the right thing I hadn't found that thing where I knew this is what I'm supposed to do and now where I am now I have found that thing and that is builder yeah and you have to be passionate about those ideas to get you through um the rough times um and I'm sure you've experienced some challenges on your entrepreneurial journey from, you know, from into the world of, of running a business. Um, can you talk to us um, a, a little bit about that in terms of some of the biggest obstacles and barriers that you faced um, and you, you and your husband have faced in building Builder? Yeah, um, I think there's, there's always um, something to overcome, so obstacles to overcome. I think what I have felt is that I have had a hard time um, other people believing in me or my idea, maybe because, especially going back like several years ago, because I was so young, I was a young person, I was a young girl, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. I was a young black girl. So being young yeah. is one strike. Being a girl <laughs> is another strike. And being a black girl is three strikes. <laughs> yeah. So it was definitely a mixture of all three. I did have... I. I constantly face that thing of having to prove myself pop you know more so um to others so whether it's potential people to join the team or potential investors or you know any anybody like that you do find that you're having to overcome that obstacle on a on, on an ongoing basis and even even up until today i think another um obstacle is having the right people actually in your team and bringing the right people to form your team and Mm -hmm. you know the repercussion of not having the right people in your team is that oh honestly you know we had a previous team member um and unfortunately he was you know he was very good he you know obviously in the beginning um helped you know helped me design the 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 tech aspect of the platform the technical sides of it He, he kind of you know, worked on that really closely with me. However, then started to realize that it did seem like he was taking, trying to take over um, a, a little bit the business from me in terms of trying to um, have the last say on on almost yeah. everything. Trying to, and it was like it was just frustrating because this person was a Caucasian male, and it was like, well, you know, you know exactly why this platform was created. It was created mm-hmm. because you know Caucasian men are like this is you're part of the problem (laughs) to put it short (laughs) 
It's like, yeah. you know, it's because of, you know, bl- you know, black women are not being listened to and they're being disregarded and like their ideas or opinions are not being taken seriously. And you're, you're doing exactly that in my own yeah. business. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. That's just unconscious bias so, creeping in again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, having the right team members is definitely an ongoing challenge and it's something that we are still you know we're still building we're still growing the team so it's something that we are still figuring out how to overcome you know the few people we have a small team at the moment but the few people we have um are we're very very happy with them you know um yeah and so i think we've learned our lessons basically from from the previous team members <laughs> coming yeah. in and trying to take over the show trying to take over the show patricia can you imagine yeah, <laughs> it's just that might happen. I suppose it's making sure that everybody has that openness to listen to other people's ideas. And um, it's the it's the sort of nuanced power dynamics, which, you know, they will, you know, have been sort of programmed to, to believe. Um, so we've talked, yeah. we've touched upon challenges, but what about successes? What would you say have been some of your milestones um, that you're proud of? Um to date um yeah gosh um if it's to do with like to do with the builder specifically um i'd say we're most proud of um you know this is the and this is again this is how you know that something is meant to be and this is how you know you're in the right path Mm -hmm. when some things just happen and they seem quite effortless and it even surprises you and shocks you at how how easy some things fall into place that's when you know something is working as it should be and that is a very good sign so um we in after a month of launching we had been featured in a national um publication uh which was the metro so a story had been run on builder and what we were trying to do and how we just launched and but it was how it happened was just so amazing. How the journalist, you know, came across us and how everything just fell into place. And the kind of everything that has happened since then, off the back of this one article um, that mm-hmm. went national. So I think that was definitely one of our most proud moments to date. Um, I think another would be um, when we had, off the back of the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm-hmm. which is another thing to touch on. The Black Lives Matter movement, um, we had been contacted by an amazing woman. Um, she's a fashion designer called Sarah Bailey. And she reached mm-hmm. out to us and she basically said, like, I didn't realize how difficult it is for, you know, black and brown women in the business game, in the business industry. And like, I, I'm so sorry it took so long for us to educate ourselves but now we're listening and we're educating ourselves and this is what i want to do for builder and she she really wanted to kind of set up a a fundraising competition for builder and give away one of her um exclusively made you know jackets and she really stuck to her word and she did it all the way so that was definitely another um amazing moment for us not not because of um the money that she wanted to fundraise no but because of the fact that she as a caucasian woman just took out went out of her own way to approach us and say i'm listening i we we were not listening before but now we are hearing you and we are going to actively you know change our um our biases and actively 
actively speak against things that we know shouldn't be. And that in, that was enough. That alone was enough. So that was definitely another proud moment um, for us. But I think since then, um, we've also been kind of approached by um, a... I can't speak too much on it now, Patricia, but I'll tell you off it, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, an exclusive, I like um, it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we've also been approached by a national, actually international magazine um, who also wants to speak um, about Builder. So, and that's just amazing again. So those are some of definitely to date our proudest moments and ho- hopefully long may it continue. <laughs> yeah. I think what you touched upon there with Sarah Bailey was that kind of openness, you know, and what happens when people are closed and what happens when people are open to learning um and the yeah, yeah. impact of that and then so what ha- impact has all of that PR had because PR and publicity is is absolutely key we've covered it a few times um on the on the podcast here um at the beginning of the year we covered mm-hmm. it with um Nikki Scrivener from Force Day PR that's episode 65 if anybody wants to listen to the power of personal brand um mm-hmm. you know and and many more before that but sort of what was the like the actual like what impact did you see on uptake on the mm-hmm. platform in terms of users or um funding raises or happening or what what was the impact of that oh honestly we had an influx of signups off um the back of those kind of press um pr publications um in particular the first one with the Metro, we had a, you know, we had an influx of signups, um, and women submitting their campaigns to us, which was absolutely amazing. We had just launched, <laughs> we had just gone live. So it was, that alone was absolutely amazing. We have recently had our first, um, one of our first successful campaigns, successfully funded campaigns, um, who was somebody who signed up. Um, again, during that time. So we're really happy. We have other campaigns ongoing as well. So off the back of that, I, I would say the most, like the biggest thing that has happened is it, it's given us that real sense of authority and validation. Does that make sense? There were yeah. so many people who um, we, we were doing our own promotion. We were on all the social media pa- platforms. We were speaking to everyone. But some mm-hmm. people, I don't know what it is. They don't take you that, that quite serious enough. They don't take you seriously <laughs> until they see you <laughs> somewhere else <laughs> in something national, which is absolutely crazy, to be honest. If you think about it, like, why did, why, why does it have to take until you see us in a, a, a an article or newspaper or, or on the news before yeah. you like understand? Like, we've been doing this beforehand, you know? But I think yeah. for some people, it really made them look twice and, and, and look twice at, at Builder and what we were doing and take it more seriously and give us that bit of authority in the industry, in maybe like the crowdfunding industry, but also in like amongst the ethnic, um, ethnic, like black owned businesses in the UK. We were definitely, mm-hmm. um, kind of one of them that was up there. So I would say in terms of stamping your authority and gaining that real validation, that is, one of the most powerful things that PR and press can do for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. So you guys are, you know, you're taking some incredible steps to try and level the playing field in the investment landscape, but we are still a long, long way from that happening. What, what more needs to be done? Do you, do you think? 
There is so much work that needs to be done, Patricia. And as you've correctly said, um, we're still a long way. We're still a long way from, from getting there. However, I'm really, really happy with the progress that I've seen so far. I think definitely the Black Lives Matter movement, again, has really helped mm-hmm. um, so many founders and so many you know, people um, of Black origin around the world, but especially in Western countries anyway, um, in that non, non-Black non and Brown founders are actively seeking, actively listening, actively, you know, taking seriously um, other Black founders and, and Black mm-hmm. creatives and Black entrepreneurs and looking to help them financially, which is the most important thing, looking to help them financially and looking to help them with, their networks and their contacts which yeah. is another important thing so i would say that to answer that question what needs to happen well that's exactly what needs to happen we need more founders from our community we need more entrepreneurs we need more creatives to you know provide solutions to problems that are in the world mm-hmm. problems that affect everybody not even problems that just affect black or brown people problems that affect everyone mm-hmm. you just you know, when you have people from different diverse backgrounds, you are able to have more interesting and diverse solutions, you know, yeah. and that is what's yeah. key. You have different solutions other than, you know, what one group of people may have ideas about. So that's what yeah. needs to happen. We need more black founders and then we need more um investors from all backgrounds male and female yeah. investors and bank managers and people with um who are the People who are the key holders and people who are, you know, who, who hold the power to effectively support us and financially, uh, morally and support us with contacts and, and education mm-hmm. in every way possible. Um, and that is how we will then really begin to level the playing field. And that's just it. Yeah, it comes back to being open. It's not again, those key holders to the power to be able to to be open to opening those networks and contacts up to everybody and not just the people that Absolutely. look like them. Um, now, um, we, we know that the BAME community has sadly been disproportionately affected by coronavirus and we did say we were going to come back to it. Um, what yeah. concerns do you have around um, black and brown entrepreneurship um, in that respect? Do you think it's going to set it back? And so, particularly women. Of course. So, of course, we've seen the devastating effects of coronavirus on everyone, um, all groups of people. Um, However, we've seen how disproportionately we are negatively impacted. And we've seen that people from, you know, black and Asian communities are dying more. Um, And again, that's just due to a number of reasons, such as, you know, unconscious biases, institutional racism in the NHS and healthcare industry, and a range of other problems that mm-hmm. this podcast is far too short to discuss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. That's a whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Um, so, but because of a range of these issues, that's why we are being disproportionately affected now. Um, we are also, you know, because of this, we are seeing record record numbers of um, unemployment but do you know what is happening off the back of this Patricia and especially Mm. with women because the unemployment is going up guess what is going up entrepreneurship and guess who it's affecting more entrepreneurship amongst women is going up Patricia can you believe that Mm -hmm. 
I now. think it's um, why is this yeah, happening? Th- like you said at the very beginning of the podcast, you know, women and black and brown women particularly have to go out and find their own solutions to things, and this is almost like accelerated it, although in very difficult circumstances. Absolutely, and that's exactly it, and. It's it's a fact um, that because, you know, we are, more people are at home, uh, whether kind of voluntarily or involuntarily, more people are at home. Yeah. So people and women in particular have had to get really, really creative to keep, literally to survive, to keep a roof over their heads and to keep food on their table for themselves mm-hmm. and their family. They have had to get creative. And what does creativity lead to? Entrepreneurship is literally creativity. <laughs> put into practice i mean that's yeah. all it is so and off the back of that actually more businesses are actually being started and things like the bounce back loan the coronavirus bounce back loan mm-hmm. um and other kind of loans and grants are being applied for in record numbers which shows you that you know people are trying to a, keep their businesses afloat or really trying to think of you know businesses that they can start and the one that the trend that is actually really increasing in the past few months is online platforms and online businesses in one way or another or things that don't mm-hmm. necessarily need you to be face to face with somebody yeah um so whether it's yeah so whether it's selling products or something like that you don't necessarily need to be face to face with people that trend is increasing as well which is absolutely amazing so is it it, it you know is an unemployment and what is happening a devastating thing yes it is it absolutely is However, are we going to see some amazing um, innovations and ideas and businesses Mm -hmm. that are going to be here for a long, long time to come off the back of this tragedy? Yes. The answer is yes. That's what's going to happen. And in a way, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I think it's a really good positive. I, you know, there's there are there are pockets of opportunity um, within the pandemic, and you've just perfectly described one. Um, and the um, the like the women, th- those women in particular, the BAME women that are starting those businesses. Um, what would you yeah. say to them um, in terms of you know what you know what your experience has been? What would your um, what would you say to those women? Um, what I would say is that they should definitely, absolutely start. If they have an idea, if they have, you know, an innovation, they have something in their head that they think will, could work and they think will serve a purpose and will help somebody or will solve a problem, then definitely start it in any way you can. Start it small, but just start it. And that's literally all I would say. And, you know, we, we as builder, we are here to help. Don't don't think you are on your own. You know, even if you're uh, like starting this by yourself, you're not. You don't mm-hmm. have to be on your own through the whole journey. Builder is here to help you. Just reach out to us, contact us, and we'll be happy to support you. Um, whether you kind of fundraise or crowdfund with us or not, we are still happy to assist in any way that we can. So. Yeah. Uh, just please start because your yeah. your solution is going to help somebody and join the uh, join about. the build her slack community and yes absolutely yeah build your tribe um i think one of the other things you touched on there was the fact that and it, probably the reasons that drew, drew you into the technology industry is that it 
the barriers to enter and the barriers now to create. You know, you can throw a Shopify site up for free, you know, within 20 minutes, you know, and start selling products online and, you know, go from there. The barriers are now so low for everyone. And it's just knowing about those platforms and having making sure that, that everyone, um, no matter what uh, your background um, or history or whatever it might be, have at least the access or the opportunity to have access to know about those um, platforms. Absolutely. And that's that's exactly it. It's just about, again, education, knowledge and ha- mm-hmm. being aware of what is actually out there. And that is yeah. just the problem with um, historically, that has been the problem with the black community, not being aware of what is available, yeah. what is out there and not being. And even if the ones that are aware, not being aware of how to access them or who to go yeah. to, to, ac- to help them to access yeah. it. So those things are definitely changing um, for the better now, hopefully. We always like to wrap up the uh, podcast with some advice um, or lessons that you may have um, learned or maybe even some advice that you wished somebody had given you, um, which you learned um, through your own journey. Is there any sort of um, sort of nuggets of advice that you could uh, share to help us wrap the podcast today, Damalola? Oh, several things. One, um, wait, am I only allowed one? <laughs> oh, no, you can have as many as you like. <laughs> Because I'm like, I have to choose very carefully then. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. The first one I would say is prepare yourself, read, read about your topic. Make sure that you are very, very aware about what you're stepping into. However, the flip side to that is do not let that um, paralyze you from actually taking action. Yeah. Okay. So take action, but be knowledgeable and be strategic in your action taking but don't yeah. let the paralysis of knowing everything you know affect you and actually stop you from starting just start <laughs> yeah start and yeah. read and figure it out as you go along um, yeah. and that's test that's and the learn important thing. as they like to say test and absolutely. learn absolutely yeah absolutely and the second strongest piece of advice i would say is know your why what is your why? Why are you doing this? Why did you start this? What is this all about? And what is this all for? And who is this for? Because honestly, if you don't know the the answer to those questions, your why is just, mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's, it's already a hard journey. I'll put it frankly. It's already a difficult journey. When you know your why, that is what will keep you coming back, even when it's getting too difficult and when it's getting too hard and you really feel like quitting. When you know mm-hmm. your why, you'll get up again and you will you will open your laptop, you'll make that phone call, you'll attend that meeting, you'll do what you need to do once you know your why. And that is that is the bottom line. Um, I can't, couldn't think of a better thing to uh, finish on um, this afternoon in such a purpose-led um, startup and, and crowdfunding platform. Um, for those of you who are have been mindful of the um, uh, barriers that are being faced by um, black and brown founders and uh, particularly women. Hopefully uh, Damalola's build her uh, platform and endeavours will help assure you that there are people out there that have um, have solutions and um, that there is definitely inroads being made in making a difference in this space. Um, Damalola, thank you very much um, for your advice and insight today. And we hope that gives you all a better night's sleep. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Patricia. I've really enjoyed it. 
Fast Forward is a weekly interview podcast brought to you by Tech Manchester, an incubator for digital and creative startups in the Northwest. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. The podcast is produced by Sarah Belli, audio editing by Jamie Gynlock, and music by Parma Violets. If you have any questions, feel free to drop us a line at info at techmanchester.co.uk or follow us on any of our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn, all under Tech Manchester. Manchester.